My name's Caleb. I'm a student pastor here. Welcome. Welcome. Glad you made it. Um, so here's what I want to do real quick. I just want to take a poll. I, I, I want to know if you believe this is true. Um, there's going to be a verse that's going to come on the screen. Right there. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. How many of you believe like, yep, that is absolutely true. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. I know by my own experience that when I am anxious, it weighs you down. Cool. Okay, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. In fact, um, from kindergarten, the day I started kindergarten until the day that I graduated high school, you put all those days, all of those days. The day that was the most stressful was a day in seventh grade when I'd gotten in trouble the day before. And the whole next day, I knew at one point or another that there was gonna be a note that was gonna come to my class that said, Caleb, you need to go to the principal's office. And it happened about fifth period. I was in some kind of history class. I don't know, I wasn't paying attention. I was literally just trying not to cry the whole time. Seriously, go to the principal's office. My cousin, who had also gotten in trouble with me, who was a bad kid, was laughing and I was crying. It was probably the most anxious day ever. To the point I still remember it. But it's also true with fear. I don't know if, you, if you've experienced that where you've just been really scared. Um, or, or stress, you've been really stressed and you, you are stressed about something. In fact, I see it when you walk in here, like it's on your face. We're like, man, you're stressed. Something's bothering you. Why? Because it's weighing your whole self down. Like your heart, it's not just talking about like this organ inside of you. In fact, it's like the heart means like your whole being, like you're weighed down. Some of you, it's like self-confidence that you know you just look like a goob and you just don't feel right about it and it just weigh, it weighs you down. You're not yourself. You're not yourself. And, and that's kind of the way our, our culture um, is. It causes us to feel that way, but I don't really have to tell you that. I don't really have to tell you that because you know it, because you live in it. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already experience. And so I really, I guess the question that I wanna ask you is what if you could do something about it? What if you could do something to make uh, life around you a little better? What if you could do something to make life around others a little bit better? What if you could do something to change culture a little bit? See, there's two kinds of people when it comes to culture. There's those that adopt culture and those that change culture. Here's what I mean. Check this picture out. Those right there, that's not a staged picture. Like that is a real picture. Like I'm sure it's for a brand. Those are called Jinko jeans. Jinko jeans were popular when I was around sixth or seventh grade. It was cool. The homeless population went way down because you could live inside your pants. Like those were, were, were the style. I'm serious. The wider, the better. Brandon, did you have a pair? That's what I'm talking about. So Brandon had a pair of Jinko jeans. I was too poor. I had a pair of bad boy jeans and they had this little kid on the pocket that like had his hat all like sideways. It was cool. It was cool. I made him look cool. Um, and so they had Jinko jeans. Now here's what you need to understand. He said, I guarantee you that none of these people were the first people to wear Jinko jeans. In fact, they saw someone else wear them and they adopted culture. Now, thank the Lord, someone decided to change culture. Give me that next picture. So this is a picture of today's jeans, right? 
This is something you're like, man, yeah, that guy's in style. Like, he looks cool. Like, that's great. At some point or another, they went from jeans that look like tents to regular human pants. At one point or another, this happened. You want to know why? Because someone decided they would change what was culturally cool and acceptable. And here's what I can guarantee you. Secondly, the man wearing the skinny jeans did not create the skinny jeans. In fact, he saw someone else wearing the skinny jeans and he adopted it. That when it comes to culture, there are two types of people. Those that adopt it and those that change it. See, culture doesn't have to be the standard to our actions and our responses. I need you to hear that. The culture at your school, the culture in your classrooms, the culture on your sports teams, the culture that you experience uh, with your friend groups does not have to be the standard. Yet some of us have chosen to adopt it. But some of us, I hope, will, be, will choose to say, man, I will be someone who will change it because I recognize not all parts of it are good. So we're going through this series over the next four weeks, three, four weeks, that I'm just gonna challenge you on some things. I'm gonna challenge you on this thought of that we, that we can shift culture. See, we come from a culture that is very selfish and very prideful. And here's what I mean. I want you to think about the last restaurant you went to. The last restaurant you went to. Maybe it was this uh, morning. Maybe it was after church. Maybe it was on the way here. Maybe you stopped at a Starbucks and you listened to classical music while you sat there. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe you're Tyler. (laughs) When you went to this restaurant, how many people at the restaurant, did you ask if they had enough money to pay for the food they wanted to eat? Did you go to anyone and say, hey, can I, can I like, do you need some more food? Are you full? Are you, are you good? Can I, can I buy you anything else? Hey, can I grab your tray? Can I take it to the trash for you? Can I walk you out? Can I help you get a refill? How many? The answer is probably zero. Why? Because you're a normal human. And you would, they would look at you and be like, you're a weirdo. They think that kind of generosity is weird. I need you to hear that. We have a selfish culture that says, no, 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 no. What, you're offering to buy me more food? Are you, what are you saying? Right? Like they would take it totally wrong. Because we have a selfish culture that says, no, 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 it's about me and what I can do. We have a prideful culture that says, no, I don't need any help from anyone. No, if I admit that I need help, I'm wrong. We have an addicted culture where some of us are addicted to our phones right now. And so my question then would, what would you do? How far would you go if you could change that part of culture? See, you, I think, have the power and the ability and the position in life to be someone who says, I can change culture, that you have the opportunity to change culture, to be a culture changer, someone who shifts culture. 
You have the opportunity to be the opposite and do the opposite of what our culture says is normal. And the opposite of selfishness is generosity. And so really the question is, how generous would you go? How generous will you be if you know at the end of the road, you're gonna change culture for the better? How generous would you be if you knew God was calling you to it and would use you for greater things? To what extent would you be generous? See, that's where we're really where we're going is I'm gonna encourage you to exceed the level of generosity you are used to and to go above that, to go to a weird level of generosity where people may look and say, that guy's crazy, the experience was pleasant, but things were a little weird. He was overly generous. It was awkward, but good. Like, I want that kind of experience for you. Here's why. Because I believe when we are generous, that people begin to see something different and bigger that's living in us, which I hope is Jesus. And so tonight I'm just gonna encourage you quickly in a way that you can be generous, a way maybe you haven't even thought about. I'm not talking about your money. I know we just got through Christmas and you're like, I'm broke. Maybe it's a way you, you haven't even thought, of. it's not your talents. I'm not gonna talk to you about that tonight. It's a way I guarantee you haven't really like said, Oh, wow, I can be generous in that way. See, the way I wanna, I wanna encourage you to be generous tonight is, is with your words. You may not even, even realize that you can be generous with your words. But we are a culture that actually is very selfish with our words and very prideful with our words. That we don't wanna say anything that's gonna make us look like we don't have it all together. We don't wanna say anything that's gonna make, us, make someone else look like they're better than us or like we think they're better than us. We don't wanna say anything that may put us in a lower spot. Yet we have an opportunity to be generous with our words. And see, here's why I believe your words are important. It's because they're powerful. And the end of this verse says so. Go back to that verse real quick. It says that anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. But hear that, a good word cheers it up. That in fact, God has given us the ability and the opportunity to speak in a way that generally and truly relieves anxiety in the hearts and the minds of others. Did you know that? Like God's given you an ability to relieve anxiety in someone else's life if you chose to speak good words about it. Ephesians kind of goes into like, hey, what these words look like. It's Ephesians 4. My Bible's upside down. It says this. It says, no foul language should come from your mouth. No foul language should come from your mouth. He's talking about curse words. He's talking about crude language. He's talking about crude jokes. Some of you dudes, man, if I was sitting in your seat right now, I would want to punch me because... I was like the king of that. I still like struggle with that of like, man, how far will I go to make someone laugh? Like I love to see people laugh, but in, in, on occasion, I'm like, man, I went too far just to get a laugh out of them. He says, man, no foul language should come from your mouth. Anything unwholesome, anything that's, that's crude or just wrong, anything you wouldn't say in front of your grandma, like, shoot, if you knew she heard every word. Like we would tell you all sorts of stuff in front of my grandma and she couldn't hear a thing. But like, imagine if she could hear every word, like you would be in a lot of trouble. It says, but this, check it, check it. It says, but only what is good for building up someone 
in need. He says, let no foul language come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone that is in need. Here's the thing. He puts two sides to this thing. He says, foul language tears you down. Like that's the point he's making. He says, but good language can build someone up, but you can use words to build someone up where foul language does the opposite, that in fact, it tears people down. So when we go too far to tell that joke, when we use words that sound like everyone else, when we choose not to take control of our tongue, in fact, we are tearing people down. He says, you shouldn't do that. But in fact, you should only use what is good for building up someone in need. And the fact is, there's a lot of people in need not just people next to you in this moment in need of a kind word and a relieving word and an encouraging word. There's people at your school that are in need of a kind word, encouraging word. There's teachers, your parents. Like when was the last time you went to your mom and you just complimented her? You complimented on the way she is a great mom outside of Mother's Day. Like when was the last time you went to your dad and you just told him how thankful you were for him? When's the last time you went to a teacher and said, man, that was a really good lesson today. Like I really learned something. Like the chances are rare that you just did that. He says, but, but man, those are the words that build people up. And there's people that are in need. And then he goes on to this last part. It's kind of like a, a weird twist. And he says, um, he says, so, or, or not yet, not yet, go back, go back, go back. He says, so that it gives grace to those who hear. I want you to hear that. It says, your words, when they're kind, give grace to those who hear. What grace is, is things that people do not deserve. What he's saying is he's saying, I'm calling you to give kind words to those people who may not even deserve it. I'm calling you to give kind words in the midst of someone not giving kind words back. I'm calling you to give kind words to a teacher who you do not like. I'm calling you to give kind words to your parents even when you're mad at them. I'm calling you to give kind words to those kids at your lunch table who you sit with because you have to, but you hate them. He says, man, I'm calling you to give kind words. And when you do, it gives grace to those who hear that they experience, listen, right now, listen, they experience just a little bit of what we experienced in Jesus, which is grace. It says, you were saved by grace. You were given something you don't deserve. And he says, when you speak kind, what you do is you give them a little taste of what we experienced in Jesus. Then in fact, you are pointing them towards more grace, towards Jesus. I believe it, that we speak kindly. They say, man, something's different about you because you gave them a little bit of grace, something that our culture does not give out freely that you gave them a taste of Jesus. He says, man, your words are powerful. Your words could lead to an eternity change in someone's life. But it's just a call for you to be generous. And then this is where he takes the weird turn. Go to that next verse real quick. This is verse 30. And he says, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed by him for the day of redemption. What you need to know is if you place your faith in Jesus, you are given the Holy Spirit. I've told you this like a thousand times. That the Holy Spirit is God in you. He says, you're sealed. You can't lose it. You could go out of here. You could cuss your brains out. 
And God would say, I still love you. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit if your faith is in Jesus. Now there's a question of, would you actually do that if your faith was in Jesus? Probably not. But it says you have the Holy Spirit. And it, and it says something really interesting that you need to know. It says that, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. What that means is you can grieve God's Holy Spirit. That you can cause the Holy Spirit to grieve in you. Eyes right here. You can cause the Holy Spirit to grieve. You can sadden the Holy Spirit. I need you to hear that. You're like, ooh, I love Jesus. He's just good with me. He's good. No, you can sadden the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about grieving. The last time you grieved, maybe it was at a funeral where you, you were sad about someone close dying. Here's why you grieved. It's because the opposite of what you really wanted to happen actually happened. That you wanted your grandparent to live. You wanted them to be around. You wanted to spend more time with them and they didn't and they died. And so you grieved their loss. You grieved them doing the opposite of what you really wanted to happen. And it says that the Holy Spirit's been put in us. And what that means is that God has a plan for you. He wouldn't give you the Holy Spirit if he didn't have a plan for you and a way for you to use it and an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use you in different ways. He has a plan for you. But yet when we do the opposite of God's plan, it says that it saddens, it grieves the Holy Spirit in us. Don't you understand that? That your actions don't go without a big ripple effect. That says, man, God is grieved because it's the opposite of the plans he has for you. It's the opposite of the blessings he has for you. It's the opposite of what he says, man, I had something great in store for you and you're choosing a different route. And yet he connects that right to our words. He says, I've given you people in your life and there's people around you that are in need and I've given you the Holy Spirit that, that will show you them and will, and will uh, be the voice in your head that says, man, that person has some stuff going on and that person really needs a word of encouragement. He says, and so use good language to build them up and give them grace. He says, man, that's my plan. When we, when we disregard that, we grieve God's Holy Spirit. The one that's in you, the one that's sealed you. So my question stands, how generous will you choose to be with the words you use in the lives of the people around you if you know that it could lead to a total shift in culture? To a total shift in culture. And as we close, I need you to understand this about your words. Is that they cost you nothing. Is that they cost you nothing is that you speak 20,000 words a day and they cost you nothing. To be generous with your words costs you nothing. But to be reckless with your words could cost someone else greatly. To be generous with your words, it costs you nothing. To go, on your, to go to your team and to encourage your teammates costs you nothing. To speak what is true when no one else is speaking, it costs you nothing monetarily. Maybe you might sacrifice some reputation, but it costs you nothing outside of that. And to go encourage your mom and to look for opportunities to say, man, I wanna encourage my parents. I know they're having a rough time. I wanna be less of a burden. I want to give grace to them. It costs you nothing. Eyes right here. 
Eyes right here. That if you chose to say, man, I want to be generous with my words. I want to be someone who's an encourager with my words. I want to be someone who says, I'm not going to be selfish about this or prideful about this. I don't care what this generation does. I don't care what the culture says is normal. I'm not going to be about it. I'm going to be someone who changes, not adopts. Lives around you will change. You will be someone who God uses for great things. You're like, but I'm unqualified, but you can speak and you can think and you can encourage. So I'm gonna just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm just doing this so you're free from distraction for just one second. If your whole day you're distracted and your whole night you're distracted, like let this moment right now free from distraction from the people around you. If they keep bugging you, tell them to shut up real quick. Like just, just make them stop. Now I just want you to think. It really is a simple concept. That your words carry a lot of weight. That your day has been ruined by what someone has said to you. And your day has been made by how someone has complimented you. And that costs them nothing to say the kind things. That it costs nothing to encourage someone. It costs nothing to find something good in a, in a bad situation. It costs nothing to compliment. It costs nothing to speak what is true. And yet, we choose to be so selfish with them sometimes. We choose to withhold them. We choose to use them recklessly. Would you change that? Would you commit to change that? Would you say, yes, tonight I want to change that? That I want to be someone who speaks words that build people up, speaks words that are worth hearing. How generous will you be if you know God is calling you to it? So they have the power to shift culture in your friend group, shift the culture of your lunch table, of your class, of your team, of your family, even of your small group. You have the power to simply through your words, not by your qualifications not by your Bible knowledge, but just by your willingness to say, God, I, I wanna be used. I don't wanna grieve your Holy Spirit in me, but I wanna stick to what plans you have for me. And I wanna be generous with my words. God, we thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. God, I thank you for giving us voices that we may speak powerfully. God, that we may be generous God, that we may give grace to those who hear, that they may taste grace and recognize that that doesn't come from human sources. God, that that may lead them to you, that it may be the avenue that they experience Jesus and the grace that you have for us. God, we love you. God, use us in big ways. We wanna be used. In Jesus' name.